everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on another um, episode, on my second episode of Ed Talks um, on this uh, second week, I believe it is, that I'm dropping this second episode. Uh, I know I've mentioned that they would drop every two weeks, but come on, this is podcasting. It's really unpredictable, right? Um, I am very honored and, and I am extremely grateful for the next guest, uh, for the first guest that I will have on, on my podcast here on Ed Talks. Um, and it's, you know, he's a really good friend of mine. Um, and I, and I truly admire what, what he has done and, um, and his journey. In this conversation, we will be joined, uh, by Alfredo Haro, um, uh, you know, he will uh, talk about life in northern Colorado. I'm also from Colorado. So that is, you know, that we have the connection, education and uh, cultural heritage. Um, Alfredo is the second youngest of seven. Alfredo was born into a loving family and raised in northern Colorado, as I've mentioned. Fun fact, according to him, he's the handsome and humble one in the family, in case you're wondering. However, he's definitely not the smartest of the siblings. Today, Alfredo lives in Portland, Oregon, and recently shifted his career into local government where he's addressing civil rights, language access, and other DII issues, EDI issues. My apologies. On his free time, he enjoys dancing, but specifically freestyle hip-hop, sitting around fire, visiting Oregon winery, and long-distance running. Alfredo, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, I'm doing great again. Um, I'm super humbled that to get the invitation and to share some space with you, Eduardo. So super cool that you started this podcast and um, I'm excited to to be on as a guest and to hear more. Yeah, no, thank you so much for, for being here and for, for being the first guest. You know, I think that's a pretty big thing. I want it to be a cool thing. You are the first guest. So yeah, it's a pretty big accomplishment for both of us, I would say. Um, yeah, it's been yeah. cool to share around the dinner table, you know, with friends like, oh, yeah. I want to be on a podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so Absolutely. thanks for that. Thanks yeah. for that. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, I want to, you know, share with those, the people that don't know, of course, because this is, this is reaching a very wide audience. Um, you know, I just noticed on the app that we were being listened in Germany for some reason. So, hey, we don't know which corner of the world we're going to be getting into. So the way we met, of course, you know, uh, we met through a really good friend, Julio Mendoza, also known in the art world as Jules, which he also has a podcast, which is art in Spanglish. So you should definitely be checking that out. Uh, we were at a, you know, we met through, what would you call this? We were bar drinking buddies uh, in our mid-20s, not too long ago, but with the pandemic, it feels like it was a long time ago. It feels weird, yeah. right? I call um, it uh, Perriando. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's no, true. Just, yeah, part of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I often do think back out of our you know of, of our uh, New Year's Eve trip back in uh, in so when we went to Santa Fe and Tucson, right? I think that was the first time where we initially you know created that uh, la- that initial part of the lasting friendship that we've had uh, so far. Uh, and mm-hmm. of course, you know, I think uh, we, I certainly knew then and, and really discovered that, you know, spending time together as friends was uh, was very unique. And, and, and we both had fun. And of course, we had in-depth conversations about different things about life and, you know, the different areas of, of what we might have been going through at the time. And I think we find we found a really good, good bond there. And also, of course, as, I, as we mentioned, through um, through our friend Julio, you know, so, um, yeah. Any any anything you would like to add to that? 
I think you're covering it all um, again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a really awesome friendship that, that, that we've been able to build um, and it's still continuing. I think it's, I think I've, I first met you like nine or 10 years ago. So it's incredible yeah. that um, now we're kind of a few States away, um, yeah. but it's so cool that, that we're, you're still in my life so so yeah 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 i appreciate you too yeah yeah i'm, I'm grateful i'm grateful too i think sometimes you know that the, the distance and you know life happens life events like i recently got married and alfredo was uh, a, a groomsman in my wedding so i'm extremely once again thank you for that it was we had a great time of course with everyone there um you know and sometimes those life events might you know, detach some folks and so on or friends or create that distance. But I think what we've seen in our, within our group of friends, I think we, you can still call, text, and it feels like time has not passed. You know, like there is not that distance uh, among us. Um, and, and would you like to share before we get started here, um, to, you know, before we get more, more in depth into our conversation and, and talk about more journey, you know, a couple of things you might want to say before we get started? Yeah, yeah. Uh... Thanks again. You know, I'm super humbled that you asked me to be interviewed, you know, um, to be on this platform through like social media and sh and sharing something like my story, especially like uh, my journey through higher ed. It's definitely at the edge of my comfort zone, but um, it's also something that I, I should do more often um, to reflect and to kind of share, share what I have done because there's a lot of things that I'm really proud of. So um but, but yeah, I, I, there's some kind of disclaimers. So he, first, it's it's really my journey and and my story and keyword is um, you know my specific journey and and for listeners, um, I, I know that you're on your own and and um, maybe like success or, or your goals look different to you. Um, so just kind of want to say like you don't necessarily have to uproot to to another state or go into academia or maybe even get that like living happily ever after thing. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just a huge proponent of success can look different for and, and look and be different for everyone. And um, that's okay. Uh, another thing I wanted to share is uh, I wanted to make some space for positionality. Uh, you know, I will be sharing things about my story. So just for some context, uh, I identify as male. Um, Cis hetero, I'm able-bodied, uh, I'm a US citizen. Um, other things like I grew up Catholic, college educated, and um, you know, identities of like not having kids. Um, I'm a light-skinned Latinx Mexican-American and um, my education included a STEM degree. So all of that has uh, shaped and influenced the lens that I look at the world. Um, so my story is far from the one where I just developed the right mindset or, you know, me, me puse las pilas. It, it's not like that at all. I think um, for me, it, it's important to recognize that privilege was there um, at, at each and every step. While I did grow up in a working class family, I, I am a farm worker for over 10 years. I was on free and reduced lunch programs in school. Um, I did have a lot of those marginalized identities, but there's also other areas where I had immense uh, access to, um, to, to areas and to services that maybe um, others in my community didn't. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm such a product of 
government programs and um, educators, specifically women of color. So uh, I, I wanted to, to bring space to them. So yeah, I could keep going, but yeah, that's yeah, just no. kind of my, my disclaimer for, for our conversation today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for, uh, for, for sharing that, Alfredo. I think it's extremely important whenever we're having this type of conversations and the reason why I wanted it to wanted you to join specifically this discussion and this conversation about, you know, cultural heritage, our identity and, and, and your path to, to education. It is because, you know, I, I also believe that every path is unique. Um, right. And but but at the same time, I I, I think those share it, th those stories, especially from the underrepresented community should be shared. You know, there should be a platform for them. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that you decided to to join us and share your your unique uh, your 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 story, you know, because this is your story and it belongs um, to you. Um, so could you tell us a little bit more about where you grew up and, and how that might have uh, might have had affected your your career goals and in, in pursuing higher higher education. Yeah. Okay. So here it goes. Um, yeah, my story really starts out in um, a small town called Gill. Um, it's in northern Colorado, and super small. Like it, there was no parks, no paved roads, no light, no like uh, street lamps. Um, my graduating class in high school was sixty nine people. Um, hey, but uh, really small town and we all kind of, it was kind of one of those areas where you start preschool with the same like classmates and you graduate together. Um, so both, it was a unique experience, I think. Um, and my parents came here that, you know, they're Mexican born, they were born and raised over there. Um, and they came to the US uh, in the mid 80s. Um, and as I've kind of grown and, and learned more about immigration dynamics, you know, they left likely because of economic policies such as NAFTA, which displaced them as, as, as uh, farmers. Um, so losing their livelihood and, and needing to find other, other paths to, to raise a family. So we landed in Northern Colorado because it's a very agricultural rich area. Um, farmer is a huge part of my identity. I, I have, you know, since I was a toddler, I was, carrying around, you know, like those uh, ice, like ice cream gallon buckets. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And I was walking, you know, beside my dad, filling it with cucumbers, you know, with pepinos. And um, they were carrying like 15 gallon buckets. And I just had this, like this little one and just kind of doing my part. So um, that, that definitely influenced my career goals because there was some really bad days um, cleaning uh, like sugar beet fields, like weeds. Uh, there was one time, you know, I think this was in high school, like we pulled so many weeds that our gloves were starting to like rip and we had to keep working. And by the end of the day, we had like these blisters and like open sores like on our hands where like even a gust of wind would like hurt our hands. And um, it was kind of those experiences where I was like, I, I don't want to do this. You know, I don't want to have this be my entire life and kind of when I started to realize like I, I don't know like if you ever notice in pop culture you know they make fun of like cubicles and cubicle life and I always think of like the the man in a in a beige short sleeve button up you know mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, like nice. dick yeah. from accounting you know oh, and, yeah yeah 
I always thought like, I'll take that at any time. I don't care how boring it is. I don't care what the job is. If I'm in a cubicle all day, I'll, I'll take it over this. So um, that, you know, growing up in that area, that's, that's one way that it, it's impacted. Um, like I, I knew that higher education was the path. I just didn't know exactly what steps or what my job would be, but that's how it happened for me. Uh, absolutely. And I, I think you brought up a great point about how the different, how the, the different professions and the, the, in, you know, the privilege that someone sees as, you know, as dual or, or boring, you know, for other people is something that they want to have or wish they could have because they didn't grow up with that privilege or those opportunities, right, of having a stable job and a job that doesn't, it's not being burning under the sun, you know, all day, for example. So, yeah, that is uh, something that I I, I certainly understand so growing up in a farm in, in rural Mexico. Um, how much has your background, you know, I guess, you know, just kind of, you know, looping, I guess, just kind of bridging from that previous question. How much has your background of being from a Latinx family impacted your decision making now as an adult and as a professional? Uh, well, there's kind of two ways with, with that. Um, it's obviously like a really complex topic, but just to kind of name like a little bit. Um, one way would be like, I'm, I'm bicultural, I'm bilingual. So um, I, Spanish was my first language. It's the language that I speak at, at home. Um, and this is just something that I've been learning, but apparently we're experts in dealing with conflict uh, because we have two different ways of behaving pretty much in every situation. Um, so that kind of makes sense for me. It, it helps us kind of like take a, take a, deep breath or to kind of analyze steps we can take to manage conflict. Um, and, but on the flip side, it takes, uh, it takes me like a moment or two extra because I have to think of those approaches. So it takes me longer to come up with a decision or, um, or, or how, know how to respond all the time. So kind of like if sometimes it feels like a log jam, but um, that's more so like a scientific way of how my identity has impacted me, like some neuroscience stuff. But um, my, my background is also like heavily um, uh, impacted my, uh, where I am professionally. Like I, it's weird, but I've, I'm recently, you know, I graduated at a from Oregon State. I got my master's degree. I'm the first in my family. And um, it's in a very like social science uh, arena. And it's social scientist is one of the identities I hold close. Um, but I feel like ever since I was little, I was always a social scientist, quote unquote. I could, I could see inequities. So, you know, when I mentioned being a farm worker, I remember we were paid 60 cents for every burlap sack of onions that we filled. So those were like around 50 pounds. They were really heavy. Um, and I remember one day we were at the grocery store and they were selling onions for like $1.99 a pound. And that's like an onion or two. And, and I was just like left there kind of asking questions like where, why are we paid way less? And that's a lot of money like that, that is going um, somewhere else. And, and we're doing the hard work, um, you know, when I would come back from summer vacation, um, my friends always came back about, with stories about camping, um, Disneyland, pool parties, and I was just working all summer. Um, so I always saw the, those um, 
inequities uh, growing up. And um, it wasn't until I got to college where I got to spend time with folks who had similar experiences and who could and who were um, sharing. It was the first time that others who looked like me, uh, who grew up similar, got to share their stories. And, and for the first time, I kind of felt like validated. Um, and I didn't feel crazy because um, you're, you're stuck with these questions when you're young, but you, you, you don't have anyone to like ask them to or, or get coherent responses back. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one way that, that it's impacted my, my decision-making as a um, today. And the, the reason I, I decided to go into equity um, work um, in the first place. Yeah, I think of a very impactful thing, um, you know, the, that you that you shared a part of it has been, you know, that you were able to identify or analyze, you know, and as a young, I would say, social, natural social scientist, like those inequities, right, that we would see, that you would see in your community. And I think, well, unfortunately, we are still seeing those inequalities and, and the treatment of, 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 of specific groups of, you know, in our communities, underrepresented groups in our community, um, you know, that hasn't changed much, unfortunately, you know, so it's, 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 uh, it's, it's great to have, you know, someone from our community bringing their uh, expertise and their experiences into that sector to promote and, and hopefully have that impactful change to eradicate those inequalities like yourself. Um, what are some of the biggest, um, you know, now, you know, also, you know, continuing with this theme, you know, in education and, and your background, what, what were some of the biggest challenges that, you know, that you navigated through as, as a college student for the first generation college student? Yeah, uh, again, that's a, that's another big identity that I hold is being first generation. I'm, I'm the first in my family to, um, so my siblings and I are the first in, in our family to have a bachelor's degree. So my parents made it to, to middle school uh, in Mexico and, and had to work early and, and stop school. So, um, you know, in the simplest terms, navigating college as a first generation student, it, it comes down to not knowing what I don't know. And it's such a odd phenomenon that, um, you know, you need help, but you don't even know what questions to ask. Um, and that, a big reason is why is because the university and higher education system is is bureaucratic, so it's sophisticated and it's complex. Like it, it can't be understated. Um, and on top of that, you know, growing up in a rural area, and I had no counselor support. So I remember applying to college in in August, the year after I graduated from high school. So I was. I was two weeks late to my first semester at school. So um, funny story, like in the movies, you know, people always get like their acceptance letter in the mail. And I remember applying to community college, you know, in August, submitting my application online and hitting submit. And then it loaded the next screen and it just said, congratulations, you're admitted. And I'm like, wait, I thought there was something that was, I was supposed to like get an envelope and celebrate with my family like that's how much I didn't know about the collegiate system so um but another part was in addition to like not knowing what you don't know you know I, I came from a school where it felt like 
the only way to get into college was by playing sports. And, you know, from my school, that's really the only avenue that I saw like my classmates or, or upperclassmen take to get into college um, because of the expense. And um, so that was one area. Um, another area I want to talk about, which uh, I don't I don't know how often it gets discussed, but, you know, I now I can admit that I'm super proud to be a community college student. That's that's where I started. But in the beginning, you know, at that time after high school, there was a lot of shame that I had for that because my classmates were all going to the University of Northern Colorado. They were going to Boulder. They were going to Colorado State, these big schools. Some of them went out of state. And, um, you know, in the movies, you just see, you know, these big buildings with columns and trees and you're, you're supposed to live in the dorms, you know, like the message I always got was community college isn't where smart kids go. You're not, you're, it's not a destination place. So um, even though I needed help, you know, I couldn't, that was one area where I couldn't, sometimes I couldn't ask for help because I would out myself as a community college student. And I thought like advisors or teachers would be like, oh, this, this student must be like slow or, or something. This, this student must be like a problem. Um, so that was a barrier for me to even ask for help as well, just because of that, um, those messages I got regarding regarding higher education. Um, like, don't get me wrong, you know, I, I love that I, I, I went to Ames Community College and uh, I started off there. I had so many amazing experiences, you know, today I'm, I'm debt free and, um, but I, I do recall that feeling. And, um, you know, now that I get to share my story, I think it's important that I, that I, I mentioned that experience. Um, so those are all my, all my things that, that come to mind about my uh, navigating higher education as a community, as a first generation student, um, you know, but we can combine that with the fact, you know, with current statistics, from the Brookings Institute, you know, we're less likely to graduate on time or within six years, you know, um, post-graduation where we earn less um, when compared to our peers with the same education and background um, or, or academic discipline. Um, we're more likely to stop attending school after the first year. Um, we're less likely to choose a STEM major. So yeah, it, it goes on and on with um, some of the, the things that we have to navigate. And I'm sure you can attest yourself, Eduardo. Yeah, no, absolutely. But first, um, I, I thank you for sharing that part of your story. And, um, and, and it's really important for listeners that are going through the same journey. Of course, their own unique journey, but they are, are attending a, coll a community college, right? And I, myself, started at a community college as an undocumented, non-traditional student as well. So I can definitely relate, you know, to those, some of those feelings, not being able to know, really know how to navigate it. And my counselor, really not, or advisor, I should say, not really being there, kind of ghosting me in a way sometimes. Um, so it's, it's really important for our listeners to, to, to understand that it, there should not be any shame, of course, but of course, not, uh, not, not validating that feeling because it is a really strong feeling when you're seeing others pursue other bigger schools and being in attending and being accepted to other schools, right? It's inevitable to not have some, you know, some certain type of feelings, but yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, just, you know, going back to the statistics of the Brookings uh, Institute, I think, you know, only from in, in regards to um, black and brown students, only one out of six 
goes on to obtain a bachelor's degree, which is just a, such a critical statistic, right? Just to, but it's, it's, it's really important to create that advocacy in whatever platform we can, we, we, we can have. Um, what are, you know, it, it, this is a really tough question uh, because it's like, what are the top three things? I think that becomes a little bit complicated when anyone asks about any topic related to your top three things. But what would, what would you say are your top three takeaways uh, of, about your journey that you would like for others to know? Yeah, this was, this was, this is a really hard question. Um, and I feel like I have those reasons. I can say those three, but it, it all, you know, depending on the hour, it feels like it shifts. <laughs> That's why it's tough. Um, um, yeah, I just have like a million reasons, a million takeaways, but they're all constantly like one up in each other, depending on the time of day. But I'll start off with what I have now, which is, um, uh, number one, I think that college is fun. I think that um, unlearning is just as important as learning. Uh, and uh, college is a great place to, to, to go through that process. Um, the other one will be that, um, how should I say this? The, the, the third takeaway is that just speaking for me, I make, a, I'm not going to say I make a ton, I always make good decisions, or I've made a lot of good decisions. I don't like the word, quote unquote, like good. But I, I've made a lot of safe decisions. And I could get into each one of them. So a little bit. So for the first one, um, college being fun, like it, it truly is. And, and I don't mean it in the sense of like, of what we see in the movies, you know, like, house parties, toga parties, stuff like that. I mean, those were cool too. Like when you do get extended those invites, like, yeah, it's, it's fun. But um, for me, I, I think back um, to my, to the best times of college. So for me, it was, it was really the first time that I, I got to travel for fun. You know, I, I come from a low income family. So we always traveled to see other family, like in Texas or Mexico or Wyoming um there's and that was our reason to travel was to see other families there's nothing wrong with that but um college you know going to a conference in Albuquerque was the first time that I got to travel for fun or for leisure and this club I was in LULAC um, League of United Latin American Citizens they're the oldest um Latino civil rights organization in the country they've done amazing work in civil rights um that's paved the way for a lot of big cases um our involvement on campus, you know, and um, our the university sponsoring our, our, our trips. I got to go to Disney World. I got to go to Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas. Um, that year in Vegas, like we won Council of the Year, and and it was in this big ceremony. It was it came as like such a surprise, and um, the best parts and and why college was fun was. Um, in those settings, you see other young brown people, you know, like in suits or, or just um, that look like you. And I've, I've never experienced anything like that before. Um, I remember one day it was it was after all the festivities. It was like 10 p.m. And we we went into a, our own little conference room and it was probably like 100 of us in a room. And. Uh, we were just brainstorming ways that we can bring some of this knowledge to our communities. It was really powerful 
to be and 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 fun. Like everyone was so like uh, muy amables. They were so willing to to like introduce themselves and um, yeah, I really felt like like really powerful um, in in those rooms. Um, fun fact, like they're we still keep in touch even from those trips. Um, today they're lawyers, they're nurses, they're doctors, they run national nonprofits. One of them won National Teacher of the Year over all the U.S. So uh, that's what I mean by, by, by fun um, for me. So um, the other one was the unlearning part. Uh, you know, speaking for me, my family, we, you know, they have, we have great intentions. We're hardworking. We're, you know, we, we, uh, we, 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 yeah, we, we exist and, and we try not to cause harm. Um, but a lot of the times, you know, we're, we're carrying a lot of unchecked and unhealthy tendencies. In some ways, we're, we're trapped in cycles of trauma, homophobia, machismo, colorism, anti-Blackness. So personally for me, um, college allowed me an opportunity to unlearn and break some of those cycles and, and or try to address those cycles um, because uh, allyship and this kind of work solidarity um, needs to happen in community, I believe. It can't just be, it can't just be over social media. It can't just be um, online, on chat rooms, this kind of um, solidarity is really built um, in um, leaning into discomfort for sure. So the, the final one was the um, making safe decisions. You know, I, I stayed at home uh, all through my five years. It took me five years to, to get my undergrad degree. I went to the local community college. Um, I went to the transfer to the local university. I um, I didn't live with my roommates, you know, um, but I a lot of it, you know, I'm in a great position today and, I, and I'm grateful, but I think back and I wish somebody would have told me, you know, everything will be okay. You know, like if you do want to live in a dorm room for a year or if you want to transfer to a school out of state, um, I wish I would have done like a little bit more um, of that, not always make the safest decisions. I think it's, it would have been okay for me to like withdraw a class, you know, <laughs> uh, early and then retake it semis uh, a semester. Um, it's okay. It would have been okay for me to ditch uh, a night of homework to, to get some drinks with friends because yeah, I, I think like now in the adult world, quote unquote, that's where the real networking happens. That's where friendships and um, can develop. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I got, yeah, just this message that everything will be okay is important. You know, I got, I got my, I got an F in my first grad school assignment. <laughs> and, you know, just going through that and, and hearing those messages earlier, like it's going to be okay. Um, I ended up getting like a 96% in the class at the, at the end of, of that one. So um, just a little bit more grace with that stuff. Those are my top three for, for now. Yeah.
Absolutely. And I think one of the messages that I got from your last point there was it's not really how you start, right? It's, 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 it's also the process, but it's also how you complete that process and, and how you finish. I know that sounds very cliche, but mm-hmm. I think in reality it is because I think it also lets us know that we don't really know the full story, right? And we don't know the full story of our capabilities and ourselves yet, even when we, even if we fail at first. Uh, so thank you so much. That, that is really powerful. And thank you so much uh, for sharing that. Um, anything you would like to add before we wrap up, Alfredo? Um, anything I'd like to add? Yeah, I think we can be here all day. You know, those are just kind of some ideas that, that come, come to mind on, on my higher education journey. Um, some other things that come to mind is just, um, there's so many people who, especially in college settings who um, are happy to meet students and chat with them and learn about their goals. And it was really important for me to surround myself around those individuals. Like, um, you know, I mentioned the product of uh, educators, women of color, and many times they, they saw things in me that I didn't see in myself at the time, you know, they really encouraged me to just sign up for a club or, or take a class or um, even like talk to like a cute girl that I liked, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, <laughs> even like knowing how to like, you know, get confidence or just approach somebody um, was, uh, was, is, is super important. And um yeah, ha- having eventually you you build rapport rapport in those ways, mm-hmm. and um, so just so super grateful for 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 individuals, and I highly recommend um, finding those because they are they are out there. So yeah, absolutely, and you know relationships mm-hmm. are, you know it's it's been proven scientifically uh, backed that it's having good relationships with human relationships. Um, you know, it expands your life and, and your men and, and your mental health and overall your well-being. So, yeah, it is it is extremely important. A lot of the times, you know, it happens on paper on LinkedIn, but in reality, it happens in your community. You know, it's something that I've, I've kind of gotten just kind of just just I guess you would say kind of just kind of come to find out re- recently. right? Uh, so, yeah. yeah and again, it, again, like so many people are would be so excited to meet you, you know, something I have to, I have to remind myself. So, yeah. And I learned uh, that through, through college. Yeah. No, the university. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do have one more question though, before we go off script people. Off oh, script. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just kidding. Uh, is it true Let's that they called Let's you the it. legend of hip hop dancing in Tucson? Oh, no, I'm just God. kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Back in 2019, that was an epic people. Night. That yeah, was an... I'm just kidding. That was. Yeah. I got to see Eduardo out of his shell, and it was, yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun night for sure. Yeah, that was. I think that and that was wrong. <laughs> that was late 2000. All right. So one book. Um, I just want to disclose, like I'm not like the. I didn't really grow up with a lot of reading, so it always feels like I'm behind. I haven't read a lot of like the classics, and um, part of that is just because I I didn't learn I didn't grow up in a home with like a lot of books. I learned that 
later, you know, that's like a privilege to, to, to grow in a house with more than 20 books or having seen your parents like reading the newspaper every morning. So um, I, I love reading now and my reading journey is still going, but I, I was in grad school for, for the past three years. And oh my God, I like, it feels like I made up for all the lost reading that I had growing up. But um, I did read a book called Outcast United. Um, the author isn't coming to mind right now, but it, it's a really beautiful story about um, uh, immigrant uh, immigrant students, um, you know, seeking asylum in the U.S. and landing in Atlanta, Georgia. These were students that had escaped war-torn um, like areas, who have lost family members, who, you know, were seeking refuge in the United States and who weren't finding like engagement with their community. And there was this coach who provided uh, an outlet through soccer and um, just the, the things that they're, the stories of each student and, and what soccer meant to them as they're getting adjusted to a new country, um, to missing their family back home and to some of like the racial dynamics that goes on in, in youth sports. So that was a really enjoyable read. It, I, it was one of those where I less I read in less than than seven days. It kept me up night after night. So Outcast United. So yeah. So you heard it here first, uh, folks. I would definitely be taking a look at that book, Outcast United. Thank you so much for sharing that, Alfredo. Uh, and once again, thank you so much for being a part of our uh, off my podcast and, and Julie's podcast as well, um, Ed Talks. Um, and to everyone else, thank you so much for listening and being a part of this journey. Um, and I, as I always say, it's not a goodbye. It's soon. Hasta luego. Thank you so much, everyone. And I'll see you in about two weeks. Hasta luego. Bye-bye.